Welcome to Ghost of a Podcast. I'm your host, Jessica Lignato. I'm an astrologer, psychic medium, and animal communicator, and I'm going to give you your weekly horoscope and no bullshit mystical advice for living your very best life. I have a question this week from Bad at Boundaries. And he asks, my partner and I have been together for almost two years, and I'm finding that I need to work towards making better boundaries for myself. We each process our emotions very differently. He needs time and space to process. While I like to think I bounce back quickly and may not feel my emotions as deeply or physically. I like to stay happy-go-lucky and mentally process my emotions. So when he needs time to feel the feels, I tend to get annoyed and impatient. How can I give him space to feel the feels without feeling overwhelmed by impatience? What insight can you give me into how we can best support each other emotionally? My birthday is October 12th, 1995 at 11.17 p.m. in Brunswick, Maine. And, you know, Bad at Boundaries also shared his partner's birthday but not time. Um, So there's actually not a lot that I can do with that in a real comprehensive way. So I decided not to even look. But I also decided not to look because the question of how to manage your own boundaries, it's very tempting whenever asking this question in any relationship situation to think about identifying what your boundaries are and expressing your boundaries in relationship to other people. And there is a wisdom to that, of course, but ultimately your ish with boundaries is on you. And so I like to focus on your birth chart, Bad at Boundaries. And I should say, I mean, you chose the name and I really like it, but we're all bad at boundaries. People who are really good at boundaries are bad at boundaries because boundaries are hard. When you're in a relationship and you need to identify your needs or your boundaries and express them, the truth of the matter is, yeah, you're going to do it wrong sometimes or you're going to do it right and it's going to feel wrong to someone else. Boundaries are hard. And so I want to just start off with answering your question by saying, be patient with your process. It's great that you want to get good at boundaries and that you want to work on this because it's a really healthy problem. You've probably heard me say on the podcast before that I am a believer that there are essentially two kinds of problems, the kind of problem that holds us back and inhibits our healing and growth and wellness, and the kind of problem that actually engages us where we need to be engaged. It helps us become more whole and to live our life in the right way. And so I actually see this as the latter kind of problem. It's the exact kind of problem you need to be dealing with. So congratulations, sir. So the first thing is, you say you like to process your feelings through your mind. And that, for me, is a red flag because, metaphorically speaking, we do not digest food through our teeth. (laughs) We chew on food through our teeth, and then we swallow that food and we digest it through our organs, our inner organs, right? Similarly, We may process emotions through our mind, but we digest our emotions through our hearts. Part of what you're telling me, Bab, is that you are not fully processing your emotions because you like to keep things positive and light. And so it is therefore not even a little bit surprising for me to open up your birth chart and see instantly that you have a Jupiter-Moon opposition. You've got this great moon in Gemini, and it's opposite the planet Jupiter. And what this means is that 
you like to keep things light. You like to keep things moving. You like to feel excited and positive and optimistic. You want to say, oh, I understand it and therefore it's okay, which isn't good or bad. I think it is true to who you are. I also think it is something that can incline you to keep things a little bit more surface than they are. And this aspect in the birth chart can actually make you really impatient. It can make you impatient in part because you're quite quick in how you process emotions. It's true. That's not, I don't think that's a lie. You've got reiterations of that throughout your birth chart. However, that moon-Jupiter opposition will sometimes trade in going deep and being present for things that can't be resolved quickly for it'll be fine. Don't worry about it. Everything's going to be fine. And so, you know, I'm not here to tell you that's bad or good. Like I said, this could actually go either way, depending on where you're at in your life, um, what's going on in a relationship. I imagine that this is a really useful part of your nature that may actually make him feel reassured at times. And then at other times, it makes it so that your capacity and your willingness to stick around when shit gets real is meh. It's not great, right? And so I'm glad that you're asking this question. Regardless of what you do in this relationship or moving forward in your life, this is going to be an ongoing-ish. It just is. And that's not something for you to fear. It's just something for me to validate for you because boundaries are a lifelong lesson. And those boundaries actually need to start with you, your boundaries with yourself, instead of with him, your boundaries with him. So let me let me name some shit up in your chart. The first thing I want to name is that you have a Neptune-Uranus conjunction, as all people born around the same year as you do in the sign of Capricorn. And in your particular chart, they are tightly conjoined your descendant, which means they're opposite your ascendant. And your ascendant, Uranus, and Neptune are all forming a square to your sun north node conjunction in the fourth house near the fifth house cusp. So what it means is this. You are very impatient in relationships. You want a partner who is grounding, who is loyal, who is deep. Those things are really important to you. So it's not surprising to me that you found a man who is really emotional and has a deep processing style, right? And the reason why you really crave this is in part because it's hard for you to achieve. And it's something that instead of achieving it on your own, it's kind of intuitively speaking, easier for you to choose people in your life that embody it for you. So your closest friends, your colleagues, your boss, your partner, these people all may really seem to require you to get deep and real. Now, this issue is going to come up primarily in your best friend relationship and in your partnership relationships, simply because of the house placement of these planets. The descendant is where we find partnerships, best friends, enemies, and the fourth house is where we find family. And if you've been dating somebody for two years, he's in family vibes, right? Like he's in there. When I look at this T-square, this configuration of planets, what I want to tell you is that the desire that your Libra son has of letting things be okay, of making sure that everything's okay and that it doesn't get too messy, 
and that we don't linger in difficulty for too long is something for you to bring more self-awareness to and more patience to because what's underneath it is a fear that things won't work out, that things are going to be bad, and that it's for some reason your fault about you. And so when your partner starts to linger too long on something you said, something that happened between the two of you, it is likely to feel intolerable to you. Why does he have to sit with this? Why does he have to be so fixated on what isn't working when I just said sorry and I already acknowledged that I did this thing wrong? Let's move on. Part of this is a fear for you. It's a fear that there's something inherently wrong with you. And it's a fear that you actually have the skill set inherent in your nature to skim over when people leave you the fuck alone, right? And when people force you to sit in things, uh, that gets harder for you to ignore. And so there's a way that your agitation that you're describing in your question is actually fear. I believe that you experience it as irritation like extreme irritation. And that is because of Uranus's involvement. Neptune brings up anxiety, but Uranus is impatience. And so the combination of these things can make you just feel like this is driving me nuts. Why can't we move on? But this brings me to this other very important aspect in your birth chart, my friend. It's a Pluto-Mars conjunction in the fifth house. You do have a tendency to brood. You do have a tendency to lock onto resentments and hold on to them for a very long time. Because you are so young, my dear, what you can still do is look at your resentments or the things that really frustrate or upset you and kind of point to other people or point to the specifics of situations as a way to explain why those things happened. One of the gifts of age, and I use the word gift a little bit in quotations, one of the gifts of age is after enough years, you start to see that you have patterns, right? And it's harder to do that in your 20s. It's harder to really see your patterns because you haven't had enough adult experience yet to watch them play out. And so there is a way that when he slows things down, it feels like he's bugging the shit out of you. However, a big part of what's happening is you're experiencing emotions that you don't know how to cope with. It's yours. What the Pluto-Mars conjunction does is it feels a sense of physical frustration, feeling blocked, feeling inhibited, and that can make you angry. Now, your Moon-Jupiter opposition is like, I don't get angry. I just move on. I let it go. Ditto for that Neptune-Sun and Neptune opposition to the Ascendant. I don't hold on to grudges. I'm never angry. But the reality is we have lots of parts and you may identify with some parts of you because they're easier for you, because they're more pleasant for you. They fit into your worldview or your self-conception. But what I want to encourage you to do, because I really love that you're asking this question in part because you love your partner and you want this relationship to thrive, right? If you were to give your partner space, when he's feeling upset and he needs time to process, what will happen is you will have to be in your own feelings. And that's why you haven't done it yet. I think that for you, sitting with your impatience, as you call it, might mean sitting with your agitation, sitting with guilt, sitting with resentment. And that's really hard for you. 
because you want to convert it very quickly into forgiveness and something that happened in the past that you've already moved beyond. I want to encourage you, if you can, whenever you can, to give him space and to allow yourself to sit alone in a room and to feel impatient and to keep on breathing into your body and feeling, choosing to feel your impatience and watch your tendency to convert that impatience into ideas and stories and thoughts. Whenever you are fixated on an emotion that you're feeling that's compelling and driving, like your impatience tends to be, and the story in your head is all about what the other person is doing and how the other person is making you feel a certain kind of way, then you know you're caught up in compulsion. If the narrative you're running is all about what the other person is or isn't doing, who they are and who they're not, if it's all about them, you're in your compulsion. Because in all relationships, it's about two people. And if your emotions are fixated on everything and everyone but you, then they're not really emotions. You're using your mind to justify your feelings as a way to try to protect your feelings. And this is just very normal. Bab, what you're doing is normal and it's fair. And can I call you Babs? Because I think it's a cuter name. It's normal and it's fair, Babs. That's just what it is. And also, it's a great thing to work on. So if you can give yourself permission to sit with those feelings, you might figure out that you are mad at yourself or mad at him. And then you have something else to figure out, which is, have you actually expressed your feelings and your needs? Have you done that effectively? If not, is there something else you need to say? This is the thing. Your life will get more complicated if you get better at boundaries before it gets less complicated. And that is one of the many reasons why we don't have boundaries in, in our personal relationships. Because the reason we need to have boundaries is always emotionally complicated. And so it's tempting to evade these very scary and unpleasant feelings. When we do that, long-term, we have bigger problems, but short-term, we have less problems. And it's hard to make that call. I am thrilled that you're wanting to make that call because if I'm looking at your birth chart correctly, and please, I, inv I invite you, Babs, to reach out to me after this podcast airs, what you're doing is you're embodying the parts of your birth chart that you're more comfortable with, that Jupiter moon, that Neptune, Uranus, sun, and descendant, and you are repressing your sun conjunction to the north node in Libra in the fourth house. You're repressing that Mars-Pluto conjunction. And that means you've chosen a partner, this beautiful man, who embodies it for you. So he's intense, and he's brooding, and he's deep, and he's super reliable and consistent and loyal. And associated with that, when his feelings get hurt, he doesn't let go. He wants to work it and work it and work it until it's resolved. He holds on to everything. He comes back to things. He feels things in a really sensitive way. Now, how do I know all of these things? It's because this is in your birth chart. Part of when I decided to answer this question and to avoid the, you know, very limited amount of birth information you gave me, it is because the answers to our relationship issues are almost always in your birth chart. You don't have to look at the other person to know what you're attracting, you're consenting to, and what you need to learn. You need to look at your own damn birth chart for that. And so, my dear, when I come back to boundaries, how you can each support each other emotionally, 
What I want to say to you is this. You need patience. You don't have patience. Patience is not your virtue. It is not your virtue. And so when I encourage you to go in another room and be alone with your feels, I want to acknowledge that I'm encouraging you to feel really uncomfortable. I think it will be easier if you're listening to music when you do it. You may need to blast music, actually, to overwhelm your senses as a way to distract that part of your brain that needs something to hold onto. There's nothing wrong with needing distractions as a way to focus. It's a little bit of how you're wired, you know? And I want to encourage you to set a certain amount of time with your partner and be like, hey, I'm going to like, I'm going to walk away from this and give you space or we are going to stop talking about this. Let's say you're in the car, right? It's a big place couples fight and you can't walk away and go into another room. Okay. You're going to listen to music. You're going to listen to music loud and you're not going to process, but you're going to make a commitment that you're going to talk about things later on. And that might mean you're kind of in silence for a little while. And that will be agitating to you because there's no distractions within interpersonal silence. But I want to encourage you to be interested in that agitation because within that agitation is actually more of your inner resources. Part of what you may do unintentionally with the people you love, Babs, is find that you essentially, in your rush to make things okay, emotionally abandon them. You check out of the situation when it's too much for you or when you think it should be done. And what that does is it makes the situation worse for them, which means it makes it worse for you. So practicing ways of staying present with your own chaotic mess of emotions is actually a way to make your partner feel more assured. And if your partner is more assured, then his emotional processing time will speed up. I know it's weird, but that's how it works. Feeling emotionally abandoned, feeling emotionally judged when you're going through some sort of heartache or pain, it's really compelling and confusing. It is. And it slows everything down. So I'm going to give you one last piece of advice, my sweet dear. Part of getting good at having boundaries is getting good at being emotionally uncomfortable. That's just part of it. Anyone who is good at boundaries, authentically good at boundaries, is a person who is willing to be emotionally uncomfortable as they figure out what they need and what their limits are, what they can offer, as they allow space for other people to be uncomfortable with what they're asserting or communicating. Boundaries are awkward. Boundaries are scary for everyone. Having tolerance for that discomfort and for that awkwardness is a skill that takes time. And with willingness, I actually think you can be excellent at boundaries. The trick is it's unlikely to happen quickly. This is a long game strategy here. This is an investment in your emotional wellness over the course of time. It's also an investment in your partnership. Because of the way your chart is written, my guess is that you are always going to find yourself drawn to men like this or people like this if you date more genders than men. And what within that is important is that this is a lesson you need to learn so that you can have a happy, healthy relationship to yourself and to others. And therefore, it's worth learning. And as much as your mind might want to be like, man, he's a bummer. He's slowing me down. He's freaking me out. I don't like this. Why has he got to drag everything out? This is actually a really good lesson for you to be able to learn. And 
It's worth compromising in the short term for the benefit it will give your personal life and your mental and emotional health in the long term. You've got this, Babs. The Wet'suwet'en Nation in Northern British Columbia, Canada, need our help. We have a situation very similar to Standing Rock. The five highest ranked hereditary chiefs who represent the nation are unanimously against the construction of a natural gas pipeline through their territory. Wet'suwet'en families who live in the path of construction have halted the project. However, the government continues to support the pipeline construction. The Canadian government is literally breaking their own laws, as well as international law protecting Indigenous human rights. Coastal GasLink is aware of the laws being broken and is counting on the nation not being able to afford the legal costs of taking them to court for the 10 to 15 years that it will likely take. Our greatest strength right now is our united effort to show our support across social media and to raise awareness in our own communities. Please follow and repost Get Em Done Checkpoint on Instagram. That's G-I-D-I-M-T-E-N underscore checkpoint. And also please consider donating to the legal fund or to the camp. Visit yintaaccess.com for more information. Y-I-N-T-A-H-A-C-C-E-S-S dot com. Every post, every single person who speaks up on this matters. Thank you. My loves, let's get into this week's astrology. This week, we're looking at February 23rd through the 29th of 2020. And we've got drama. We've got high emotions. We've got sextiles. We've got conjunctions. We've got Mercury retrograde. We've kind of got it all. So let me start at the beginning. Mercury, my friends, is still retrograde. I've talked about it a lot. I'm not going to get into it, except... Don't forget that it is an opportunity to engage with being annoyed in new ways. It is an opportunity to review and reassess. On the 23rd, we've got a new moon in Pisces. As you know, new moons occur when the sun and moon are at the exact same degree of the same zodiac sign, uh, and they're just perfectly conjunct. This new moon is at 7.32 a.m. Pacific time. And what we can expect with new moons in general is openings. You know, new moons happen every month. We regard this as the start of a cycle, the beginning or the opening of an emotional cycle of development. But we also have Mercury and Neptune in the sign of Pisces at this time. Now, they're not conjunct. It's a wide conjunction from Mercury to the sun moon. But those are four planets in Pisces. In this new moon chart, we also have four planets in Capricorn, Mars, and then Jupiter, Pluto, and Saturn. New moons in general, like I said, are an opening. And this new moon in Pisces in particular is a call into nuance. It's a call into subtlety. The thing about Piscean energy that I think is incredibly interesting is that it is not of this earth. It is the high arts, which is to say the spiritual arts, creativity that feels like it's channeled or it's like coming from something larger than you. So this new moon in Pisces is a fertile one to get still in. Get still. Get quiet. Now, the rest of the chart actually reinforces that. As we know that Mercury retrograde does favor reflection. And having all of those planets in Capricorn, which forms quite a harmonious dynamic, 
with the Pisces stuff, we've got Mars forming a tight sextile to the sun and moon. It's also forming a wider sextile to Mercury. And we have Jupiter forming a tight sextile to Neptune. What all of these things kind of boil down to is being able to actually use and leverage your insights, your vision, your hopes. What we need really in our personal lives and the world at large is not just love and light or thoughts and prayers and not just a plan, a strategy, and then forward motion. We need our plans and strategies to be infused with meaning. We need them to be infused with some measure of spiritual or creative guidance. And we need our idealism and our hopes and our fantasies to be somewhat rooted in the material reality that we all share so that they are sustainable and achievable, or at least won't exhaust and burn you out in the pursual of them, right? This is actually a really beautiful new moon for really looking at, depending on your nature, most of us are more inclined to be too pragmatic or too idealistic, right? And depending on your nature, what you're dealing with, what you're looking at, you may need to kind of like tighten up one end or another. But the beautiful thing is there is energy to support you in doing that. The unfortunate thing is you must choose it. These transits occur and they are essentially like gateways. You walk in or you don't. It's kind of on you. And so I want to encourage you to make space in your life, if you can, on this date, if not, then around this date, to really be present with the stillness inside of you, to be in silence, to be in quiet, and allow yourself to reflect from that place. Don't go in with question prompts. Try not to have too much of a plan. Try to be present with whatever it is that comes up for you. And if what comes to the surface is nothing but stress, allow yourself to breathe into the stress. Because something else that you may get out of this new moon is clarity about where you need boundaries or where you need to ask for help. And ideally speaking, you will turn to resources that support you in having healthier boundaries. Boundaries are a big lesson for Piscean energy because it is a formless energy. It is a limitless energy. And here in the material world, we must deal with form and limitation, which can be quite hard for Piscean energies. But it is a valuable thing to find the right container. The right container will allow you room to flow and to grow, and not at the expense of your ideals, but in, instead in support of them. Play with this stuff. It doesn't need to be a hard a hard lesson. It doesn't need to be one way or another, but play with this stuff as much as you can and explore potential, nuance, and subtlety because that's what Pisces wants from us. Now, another thing that's happening in this new moon chart and on this day is a Venus square to Jupiter. The combo of this new moon in Pisces and Venus square to Jupiter could have you watching a Netflix marathon, just way too much TV. It can have you taking too much drugs. It could have you drinking too much. It could have you shopping online and buying hella things you don't need. In other words, it's escapism. It's checking out. It's, I don't like how I feel, so I'm going to pursue an action that changes the way I feel as a way to not have to even investigate how I feel, to try to jump over it, right? 
or duck under it, depending on how you want to think of it. So I want to encourage you as much as possible to stay associated. The beautiful thing about this is Venus squared to Jupiter can be a time where you have a fun and exciting and potentially even meaningful romantic connection. New moons are not bad for love and for romance, and Venus-Jupiter is also really exciting for connecting with others. But don't jump to conclusions. Have a lot of synchronicities? That's just the astrology. Don't make too much of it yet. You might look back at this date and be like, this was the time when something amazing started or, you know, I fell in love. But wait for it to develop roots and let those roots sink down a little bit. Allow yourself to have your feelings, enjoy your feelings without making proclamations, plans, or commitments. On a less romantic tip, try to stay aware of the ways in which you disassociate or redirect your emotional energy. Again, this is a great time for being in stillness, and your phone is the enemy of stillness. That's right. It is nothing but a distraction computer. And I love my distraction computer. I'm not mad at your distraction computer, but it's important to have some sort of boundaries with it. And that includes not obsessively DMing or messaging someone and like freaking out about why they haven't responded as quickly as you want. This can kind of lend itself to fixating on other people's social media presence or like public presence and trying to sleuth out something about them that actually it's just curated anyways, right? Seek joy, seek love, seek closeness, seek fun. But again, be present for those things without needing a story or a commitment or proof. Just be in the moment. Just be in the damn moment. So that brings us to the 24th and 25th, where we have some lighter, lovely transits. On the 24th, the sun forms a sextile to Mars. Maybe you got romantic on the 23rd. That's exciting because with the 24th, sun sextile to Mars is a great time to have fun, sexy times. And you know what? You don't need a partner for fun, sexy times. If you have one, yay, that's exciting. Uh, have safer sex. That's right. I said it. Why did I say it? Because A, it's just a great idea in general. And B, Pisces is not great. Just like the, the sign itself. I'm not saying people with sun in Pisces. But in general, Pisces and Neptune is not where we're great with safer sex. Because the lesson of safer sex is using a boundary, right? Using a physical boundary to protect your physical and in some cases and in some ways emotional health. And so the key here is to remember that having fun with someone else should not come at the expense or, at the, you know, with the abandonment of taking care of yourself, right? Right? Right. Okay. So sun, sex, on Mars, great transit for getting things done, great transit for mobilizing, all that kind of good stuff. On the 25th, sun conjoins Mercury retrograde and Mercury retrograde forms a sextile to Mars. Again, we have a continuation of this theme of figuring things out, especially things in your past and not your like back in the day, back in the day past, but instead last couple few months. Mercury retrograde, I don't think is associated with your deep, dark past in the context of these transits. It's more about your relationships, your identity, things you've been doing, things you've been saying. This may be a week where you really figure something out. You have some sort of evolution in your opinion on a matter. 
you may start to have a change of, not a change of heart, because Mercury is not per se your heart, but change of mind. That, for some people, is very upsetting. You know, some people get very identified with their opinions and their ideas, and they have a hard time changing. And for other people, that's less surprising. Wherever you're at, be open to changing your mind. More data, more views, different views, maybe reinforcement of your views. Be open to all of it. On the 28th, shit gets real, my puppies and kittens. It just gets real because Venus forms an exact square to Pluto. And we also have a Mercury sextile to Uranus. Venus square Pluto is obsessive. It unfortunately catches us fixated or obsessed with a feeling that is maybe not a healthy or wonderful feeling. It could be. It could be. But Pluto, when these two planets form a square, Pluto drives Venus to distraction. Venus just wants to get along, wants to be liked, wants to feel pretty, wants to feel safe. And Pluto kind of wants to tear it all down from the place you feel the most shame. Unfortunately, this transit can trigger old feelings of shame. It can trigger compulsiveness and self-destructive behaviors. Those self-destructive behaviors are going to be pretty consistent with your nature. So depending on what that means to you, it's wise to be on the lookout for obsessing on other people, acting out, being self-destructive, overindulgent, uh, being too restrictive with yourself. It really, you know, there's so many ways to fuck yourself over in life. <laughs> um, watch out for yours. Watch out for your favorite ways of doing it. And know that this is an opportunity to align with your values. Venus relates to our values. If you are truly choosing yourself, if your value, one of your values is to be healthy, to be whole, to be authentic, then if the thing you are doing is at the expense of those things, then it's out of alignment. This is a great time to catch yourself in the act and try to rein yourself in. When you feel shitty, when you feel bad, it is really easy to tell yourself, ah, fuck it, I'll just do it now, right? I'll just do insert whatever thing uh, and it's no big deal. Or other people are doing it. Why shouldn't I? But it is really important that you act in ways that reflect the things you actually care about, your integrity. From an astrological viewpoint, life is an ongoing series of transits. It's an ongoing series of setbacks and advancements, opportunities and missed opportunities, and they all add whether you act in integrity today is not going to make or break your life probably, but it will make it harder if you don't today to do it tomorrow. It gets harder and harder. When we don't act in integrity with ourselves, when we are not honest and whole and authentic, unfortunately what happens is we attract circumstances and situations that reflect that. And then our life gets built on acting out against ourselves, which often looks like acting out against others. For some people, acting out is very active. It's this thing you do. And for lots of people, it's actually what you don't do. It's inaction. The key here is to center what you believe in and what you care about in your actions, right? What that looks like is probably very different than what most of us are doing most of the time. Pluto governs transformational energy. So, creator or destroyer? Honestly, one's not better than the other. As long as what you're creating is generative and what you're destroying is limiting, unhealthy, unwell. What you want to really check in with at this time is are your actions 
generative or are they destructive for what you believe in? Sometimes the way to be the most generative is to tear the whole thing down. And sometimes it's not. I don't want to suggest that there are easy black and white answers to life's nuanced, nuanced issues and questions. But I do want to say that it's also maybe not as complicated as it might feel sometimes, certainly around this date. Because Mercury is forming a sextile to Uranus, luckily, this is a great moment. Because Venus squared to Pluto, it's not the first or the last time you're going to hear me talk about it. That is a transit that happens um, somewhat regularly, simply because Venus moves quickly through the zodiac signs, right? This particular run of Venus squared to Pluto, Mercury is forming a sextile to Uranus in it. That means we can make connections. We can figure things out. We can see things from a new vantage point if we choose to. That's exciting. On a romantic tip, if you did fall into something new around the new moon, or if you just caught feelings for someone new, or if you got to a new place or hit a new hiccup in your relationship, this particular transit is going to really wind you up around it. And again, the more self-awareness and well-intended restraint will really serve you around this date. I thank you this week and every week for joining me for Ghost of a Podcast. I love doing this podcast. Am was just in New York last week, and I got to do a bunch of events and meet so many of you. And it was, I, I can't even tell you, it was the most emotional, tender, loving, yes, hug-filled time. So I want to thank each and every person that came out especially those of you who stuck around and gave me hugs and we had a moment. It was really, really meaningful and beautiful to me. So thank you so much. If you're in the Bay Area or in Los Angeles, go to my website. The link is in the show notes to see when I'm going to be doing events next because March is full of events. Check it out. If you haven't already become a supporter of my work on Patreon, you are missing out on bonus episodes of Ghost of a Podcast and other little goodies and treats. If you haven't already bought my book, Astrology for Real Relationships, Understanding You, Me, and How We All Get Along, then I'm excited for you because it is a total treat of the eyes because it's cute and it's a total treat for your senses because you will learn so much astrology and so much about yourself. Real talks. Am I tooting my own horn? I don't know. Toot toot. I just don't know. Okay, my loves. Bye. Every year they say the end is near.